0: The one who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Jesus came to make a new creation. In our second reading, John has a vision of the final states of things. A new heaven and a new earth. A heavenly Jerusalem. God dwelling with the human race. Wiping away every tear no death, or mourning, or pain, for the old order has passed away. Now the old order is falling apart. At the level of physics, there is something called the second law of thermodynamics. And that has to do with this uh, phenomenon called entropy. So that over time in any system, the amount of usable energy decreases. It basically falls apart over time. And some of us, as we get older, we experience what happens to life. You know, that life decays, biological life. This means there is a kind of steady progression from order to chaos. The universe is quite literally falling apart. And there is, I think, a kind of analogy in On the spiritual level, after the sin of Adam and Eve, things start falling apart. There is an alienation. First of all, they're alienated from God, from each other. Within themselves, they experience alienation. They're alienated from nature, and there is suffering and death. And so God would, we see throughout the Old Testament, intervene to restore things. Uh, He enters into covenants. With the patriarchs, he, he establishes judges and kings and anoints them and he sends prophets. And we see in salvation history, there are times where there is a kind of holy, harmonious order that is achieved, but it doesn't last long because human sin accumulates and it breaks down and then God has to intervene again to restore things the incarnation, the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's ultimate intervention to renew creation. Jesus is the first fruits of a redeemed human race who is also sanctified and glorified in Him. And as we've been reflecting on the resurrection of Jesus in the Easter season we are also looking forward to our own resurrection to having glorified bodies. And it's not only going to be this sort of space with bodies, but again, this vision that John has, and Paul echoes it, is that this is all working towards a new heavens and a new earth, that somehow material reality will be brought into this new creation. So now is the time, and begun with the sending of the Holy Spirit, where the dynamic power of Christ is building this new creation. We see it in our first reading. Through the proclamation of the gospel, the apostles are going from city to city and people are believing and they're establishing churches. They're appointing men to be leaders over them. But they say something important. They say that it is necessary to suffer hardship to enter the kingdom of God. Some of you have lived in your houses for many decades and after a while, things start to break down or you just get tired of things and so you want to do a renovation. Right? And if you've done a serious renovation, you've added rooms, redone your kitchen, it's a big pain, isn't it? It's expensive, it's always longer than they tell you it'll be and more expensive than they tell you it'll be. And you get dislocated and you have to deal with the noise and the dust and all that stuff. And you wish, oh, if only I could just snap my fingers and it would happen, but that is not the way it works. Sometimes when I go to exercise at the gym, I see these people, all muscle, like zero body fat. And I think to myself, how many hours a week do they have to exercise? What do they have to do in terms of their diet? Do they only have chicken and broccoli for their meals? I mean, how does how this even, you know? And I, it's definitely more work than I would ever want to do, right? My fitness schools are much more moderate. But there is, there is a kind of, again, there's a, a, a hardship in the, in, this crea- in the new creation that God is doing. Now, God is fundamentally the one who is doing it. We, we are co-workers with God. It is his blueprint and his primary agency. So much so that if we aren't working with God, everything we do is useless. As the psalmist says, unless the, unless the Lord builds the house, in vain do the builders labor. So what What is the essential building block in the new heavens and the new earth? It is not the wood and concrete and steel and aluminum and glass of our houses. It is not those amino acids strung together as proteins, which is the building block of our bodies. Rather, in the kingdom, the building block is love. For Jesus gives to his disciples a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. In case we ever are confused about that, there's this big crucifix right behind me to remind you of how it is that Christ loves us. Right? And it is God's love first. Right? God's love, which is the motive and the power for creating and making things new, and so if we belong to God, this will be a defining, identifiable characteristic of we as people. So Jesus sacrifices himself to give us life. And we see some, a reflection of this in the natural order. So even if you've never heard about Jesus or religion at all, there's something in the natural order that reflects this. Right? We have this understanding that parents ought to sacrifice for the good of their children. Now, recently, there's the topic of abortion has been in the news because of a draft opinion of a justice that was leaked. And I was thinking about how it is that abortion inverts both the divine and the natural order. Children are sacrificed for the needs and wants of their parents. Instead of, this is my body given up for you, what is said is, This is your body given up for me. One of the greatest instantiations of this new creation, built with love, is the work of Mother Teresa and her many collaborators over many decades. If you know anything about it, it truly was an extraordinary, and is, I mean, it's ongoing, the work of the Missionaries of Charity, an extraordinary, beautiful thing. And I was reminded recently of a speech she gave in 1994 in Washington, D.C., at the National Prayer Breakfast. And I encourage all of you to either read the text of the speech or you can watch it on YouTube. Mother Teresa, 1994, National Prayer Breakfast. Gathered before her were senators, congressmen, and indeed President Clinton and his wife, some of the most powerful people in the world, this little tiny nun speaking to them. And she begins by citing today's gospel. She began her speech saying that Jesus came to give us the good news that God loves us and that he wants us to love one another as he loves each of us. She talked about the importance of family prayer and praying for peace. And she led all of them there in praying together the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Make me a channel of your peace. She talked about what she saw in the West as its greatest problem, its problem of spiritual poverty, and so many people were so lonely. And so far, as she's giving her talk, everyone seems to be, to be, you know, very, very happy with what she's saying, until she says these words. But I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion. And if we accept that a mother can kill her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? She talked about the work that the missionaries of charity did in placing children for adoption. In one house in Calcutta, over 3,000 children were placed with adoptive families. She recounted the story of one child who was, was, was given for adoption but turned out to have more serious health problems than originally understood. And so she called the father and she said, listen, we'll take the child back, we'll take care of the child, we'll give you a healthy child. And he said to her, he said, Mother Mother Teresa, take my life first, then take the child. And she was so inspired by his response, how he was already committed to that child that he'd had for just a short time. And she made this appeal really to all the people in the United States to whom she was addressing as well. Please don't kill the child. I want the child. Please give me the child. I am willing to accept any child who would be aborted and give that child to a married couple who will love the child and be loved by the child. Now that seems like an extravagant promise. Really, Mother Teresa? You can take any child, that would otherwise be aborted and give that child for adoption, it's not as extravagant a promise as you might think. Did you know that there is a waiting list of couples who want to adopt infants? And this has been the case for a very long time. Mother Teresa also said in that speech something she would say many times about how we are to love. How do we know if we're loving enough? She said, you have to love until it hurts. Indeed, that is how Christ has loved us. With him we are building the kingdom on earth, which will find its consummation one day. Behold, he makes all things new.